Welcome to the Grand Prix of Indy, where a thunderstorm came down and everybody lost their goddamn minds. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. And the person who survived the craziness was... I'm checking my notes here. Colton Herter? <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. Hey guys, welcome to episode 362 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And whew, busy weekend to get through here, folks. We've got IndyCar at the Grand Prix of Indy. We've got MotoGP in France. And we've got Formula E in Berlin. All coming up to you over the next coming days and whatnot. But uh, oh, we, we, we were due a crazy one in IndyCar. We, we, we were due one. The season had been relatively tame so far by their standards. And... Uh, we got a wild one to get through. But first, before we get into that, let's go around on real quick. First of all, Cam, good to see you back, buddy. I have returned from the not COVID, but damn, it's trying to be uh, sickness from last week. I feel better. I feel better. Glad to be back. Um, glad to be back on the podium. Simon! Oh! <laughs> What is it with Simon Pagano in Indianapolis and rain? <laughs> just, it's a bit good at this. Away. He's, he's, yeah, he's really good at this. Only thing that was missing was this, this time was his car wasn't painted highlight to pen yellow. Besides that, <laughs> no, instead it was painted um, checks notes Nest Quick Pink. It's a thing. It's it, it, it's a trend at Shank. It's, it's just it's just one of those things. You just get used to it after a while. <laughs> also with me, Ryan Eric King. Welcome back, sir. How's it going? Yeah, it's it's going pretty pretty good. Unless uh, you support fellow Knicks fans like Scott McLaughlin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, so, did a piece of your heart sink a little bit there when he started spinning behind the pace car, King? <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Because apparently, like, even before that, like, damn, that pit strategy didn't jiggle jiggle. It fucking folded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the jiggle jiggle. Oh, no. K King, you can't do him like that. We're only, like, two and a half minutes in. <laughs> it's too oh. soon. <laughs> Or in King's case, not soon enough, apparently. But yeah, we are definitely talking about that later because, oh boy, this was this was a, a crazy race. We had a damp track to start off with. It dried out, and then it got wet again because there was always a thunderstorm in the area because we had two changes to the race start time. That got delayed anyway because of lightning in the area. It all came on top and apparently we got a two-hour IndyCar race in the middle of it just about maybe kind of sort of we'll break it all down we'll talk about Colton Herter is he back Ugh. drove like it because that was a that was a wild win for him at the front um we'll be talking about some of the errors and they were rich and plentiful in this race trust me uh we we, we have a lot to get through when we mentioned McLaughlin spinning behind the safety car we weren't joking that, that was a thing. That actually happened. And he wasn't the only one either, somehow. There's a lot to get through there. 
And I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the interesting stories that came out in the media this week where, hey, maybe IndyCar's thinking about doing the whole drive to survive thing. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about that as well because I find it intriguing coming from IndyCar compared to other series and other sports because, you know, this is lightning in a ball that's starting to grow a little bit now. Everyone seems to have... Seems to have their uh, the, have their fingers in the pie on this one. We'll talk a little bit about some of that too. But in the meantime, it's the places you can find us. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. If you want to find our personal handles, you can at Harrison11HD, at CBuckley917, and at Ryan Eric King. RJ is over at the GT World Challenge. He won't be here for this block of recordings. We'll be back soon. If you can follow him too at RJ O'Connell to keep up to date on his adventures over there. We're on Instagram and Motorsport 101 pod for all the updates on website content as well. And all of our stuff is on our website, motorsport101.com, including blogs on pretty much everything you've seen this past week if you want some more from me. And Ask Dre is back as well um, if you want some interesting stuff that the viewers have posed to me as well. That's always a fun time, so check that out if you haven't already. Our Patreon is on there as well. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. You can check that out if you feel like backing us financially on there. You can. Right, let's get into the IndyCar GMR Grand Prix of Shitstorm. Well, Indy, but both, both can apply here. Now, I'm grossly simplifying this but the first flashpoint of this race really was basically two laps in we started out on a damp track we did get a bit of rain in the hours before this race had even started um the first man to, to gamble the whole field started on wet tires the first man to gamble was one colton herter who had started 14th anyway he was the first guy to switch to slicks he survived an incredibly treacherous and slippery track to take the net lead. And he pretty much dominate from there. He was never really in any sort of massive trouble throughout most of the race going on, besides a, a smaller off-track excursion at the end. But uh, Colton Herter would go on to pretty much dominate the proceedings. He took, took a dominant win over Simon Pagano and Will Power rounding off the podium. Will Power, by the way, does, still hasn't finished the race lower than fourth this season. Third or fourth, the whole way leader. through. The championship leader now after all of, after all the numbers broke down at the end of this. And uh, yeah, this the, the title contenders had a mixed bag to say the I'm least. I'm going to top five this field to death. <laughs> well, yeah, for those who don't know at home, Will Power's average finish right now in IndyCar this season, 3.6. That's incredible. <laughs> and that's without a win. Or second in there. It's either thirds or fourths. It's 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 crazy. But uh, yeah, Colton Hurt takes the win. He's pretty much back in the title picture after all of that now. I mean, up to sixth again. Only 38 points off the top, which, hey, with an Indy 500 coming up pretty soon. And points for qualifying as well. Really isn't all that far away. But we've talked a lot about Colton in the last season or so. Uh, we talked a lot about Long Beach. Talked about some of his errors at, at uh, Barber. But with everything that went on in Indy, fellas, how much of a silencer for some of the critics is that for Colton? Because he's gone through it this season. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he'll change any opinions about Colton Herta. Like, pretty much besides besides his two, his two first laps on slicks, the rest of the race was just simply, don't crash. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was so simple, King. Just, just, just don't crash on, on the really slippery well, track. Well, if it's so way. simple, why didn't everyone else do it? <laughs> oh, um, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to them in a little bit. I mean, there, there were there were major doubts about Colton Herta. Look, I know the man isn't perfect. He probably he has all the speed in the world, but maybe doesn't always put it together on Sunday. But Andretti are so mid. Yeah, every we're, week they're so exceedingly mid. They already mid because you can you can make the argument that nothing's really wrong about Colton Herta other than he pushes way too hard when he probably shouldn't to make up for Andretti's poor strategy, which they lucked into a good strat this time around. Because mm, mm-hmm. his teammate uh, Alexander Rossi, well, oh. his strategy oh. didn't work out too good. So for the most part, Colin Harder was in a position where he didn't, he wasn't on that back foot position where he makes a big mistake. Yeah, essentially. Whereas Rossi in the midfield gambled in the middle period of that race. Um, It was raining. It was, you know, light rain. Um, They thought, well, it might get heavier later on. Let's get on the wet tire now. And it sent them all the wet runners to the back of the field. He wasn't the only one, but he was probably the most high profile name affected by another questionable strategy call from Brian Barnhart and the Andretti team back there. Um, I literally joked during the race that Rossi is going to choke slam Barnhart after this race. Barnhart <laughs> so, making a questionable call in mixed conditions? Never. Never. It's a complete it's a, it's a it's a complete anomaly. It never happens anywhere else. I'll give him this. I mean, it, it I I when I read about this race, I compared Colton a lot to Mark Marquez, mostly because of just being able to find a way to generate extra pace in slippery conditions is something that he's done incredibly well in his career. You know, in those flag to flag sort of races where it's very slippery and he can he's he finds a way to make it work. He was the first man to gamble when he came in on lap three for slicks. Um and he very nearly lost it. But my god, gentlemen, that's safe. That was yeah. That on was all second, time. On, on his second outlap through the S's while chasing down Pato Award for the lead, the back stepped out, and it kept stepping out. <laughs> and oh lord, he had to do full. He had to go full Oppo. That was that was beyond a, just a dab of Oppo. That was some initial D Eurobeat blaring close up onto a twin rotor RX seven engine under the hood. Oh kind yeah, of drift. Full, um, full speed lines, and, and somehow it was like it had competition for best slide of the weekend, thanks to uh, another race and a certain driver of a car number five. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, r- ridiculous save, and that kind of showed the extent at which he was pushing pretty much for the whole race because uh, near the end he went off. He was pulling big chunks of time out of Pagano behind him, who. Honestly, at this point, I'm just happy Pagano took the took the second place because it's been it's been lean this year. Yeah, I, I wanted to say like I thought that was the most impressive part, given the fact that as I mentioned in the pre-show, Pagano has always gone well here, especially in the wet. He's he was super fast a couple of years ago when he was still at Penske. 
and he won he won a rain affected Indianapolis Grand Prix, and that was a ridiculous one. Herta was gapping him at like a second a lap until he went off road, and then just thought, we're going to bring. I think it that home shows how much risk that Herta was willing to take. And uh, to be fair to the man, it worked. It did. Part of the night, it, it didn't work, and that was one of the greatest open wheel saves I have ever seen. That was full opposite log. I know James Hitchcliffe was commentating, and he just said, look, there was nothing more Herta could have done. It was just, you're a full opposite log. You're nursing the brake. The it's like the whole thing was still moving through the track sideways. I say, not only say that, he didn't lose any time to paddle ahead of him while he no. was sliding. <laughs> it's it's like the whole thing was on a drift frame. It was ridiculous. I have never seen a save like that before in IndyCar. Like when they when these cars go, they normally go. Um, to save that is was otherworldly. Um, it, it's 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 a reminder of, of just how classy this dude is. And yeah, I mean to win that from 14th, the outrageous save, the pace in changeable conditions. Um, you know, chose to stay on the slicks at the right time, went to wets at the right time. You got it you got it all right. And yeah, a, a, a very important win given we're deep into the month of May now and that's coming up. He ended up leading fifty of the seventy-five laps. We we didn't get the full eighty-five in because of the rain delay, obviously, and the the multiple cautions. So we were ten laps short of the total. It was a two hour time race essentially, uh instead. But uh I mean, I'm kind of with King on this one. Look, if you're on the Colton Herta wagon, you're already cheering and hollering regarding this result. If you're not, there's nothing here that's probably going to change your mind. We already knew this man's outrageously quick. <laughs> we all know he's doing a brilliant job with it, given that we know Andretti is also, well, not great at the moment. <laughs> Either so for her for her to, to stand out in the grand scheme of things, he needed a result like this, especially with Grosjean in the mix as well, and he didn't have a particularly good day either. Um, so yeah, for, for all that to happen, yeah, um, maybe not a silencer, but maybe a a, a, ref, a reaffirmation of Herta's class, and uh, yeah, brilliant performance all round from the kid, the twenty two year old Californian, back in the title race now. <laughs> We got to talk about some of the execution of this race because, boy, <laughs> this was a this was a, this was not the finest hour for some of the strategists and team bosses um, on that paddock wall over the course of, of this race. Is that fair to say, gentlemen? Because uh, uh, when, when you're seeing cars on slicks in the rain, spinning an aquaplane in with a pace car in front of him. I think it's fair to say something's gone badly wrong. <laughs> well, to say, to, when you need say, a big result to get back in the championship, you're going to take that risk. Oh, yeah. yeah it just so happened that uh, for two drivers, one of which was safe in the championship and blew it, and one of which you needed to get back into a championship and blew it, this did not work out well. Yeah, and the uh, two gentlemen really that was the predominantly the front of this front and center was oh Scott McLaughlin no oh Scott McLaughlin and Pado Award both hung out to dry 
late on with slicks on a wet track and um i was praying for them like by the time they were going around in the pace car um it's almost a redundant question here gentlemen but was mclaughlin's the biggest goof for the day because there was to be fair there was a set <laughs> like yeah like it was obviously mclaughlin was the biggest one but there were like a large portion of the field that were like i don't know what the strategists were doing just like doing cowboy calls like whatever like oh man if you make it work you win the race and i like i get the allure of doing that but it was so dumb like we spent <laughs> most of the race just like uh you know pace car comes in go through the first couple quarters someone spins off pace car back out again it was ridiculous yeah 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 um <sighs> to that effect man race control uh put us through some shit on sunday because as king said we would go green for two corners someone still on slicks would spin and we'd throw another caution we actually had a one situation where the two McLarens spun around and uh, Pato and Felix's cars kissed at turn one. What if we kiss at the end of the straight? What if we <laughs> kiss the on the diamond cut surface of Indianapolis Motor Speedway? <laughs> and like the ridiculous part about that where people were spinning behind the safety car and uh, due to the rule set, if you, you know, spin out behind the safety car and recover, you get to just go back to your position like nothing happened. I, yeah, I hate we, that we did have one situation where someone recovered their position and then immediately spun as soon as we went green. <laughs> I did not know. I'm still relatively new compared to some other folks when it comes to IndyCar viewers, right? I didn't know that was a rule because I, I can't remember an IndyCar where people were spinning behind the pace car. So I did not know that was even a thing. So well, yeah, see... it's it's a thing across all motorsport because it's just under the understanding that oh, if you lose your if you lose control of your car behind the safety car, that's just a one off thing. It's not gonna happen. You wouldn't put yourself in a position to just lose control again, right? Right. <laughs> Indiana <laughs> thunderstorms go burr. Yeah, like I, I, again, it's a you know what, King? That's a fair assumption. It's a fair assumption to think that that just wouldn't happen, and yet here we are. <laughs> Well, what happened? Not once, but twice. Um, yeah, like, and you know what? You know what made this even worse in real time when we watched this? They interviewed McLaughlin's pit strategist twice on the wall. <laughs> Just big. Are you sure about this energy? Yeah, I was. The thing expecting is, when they had interviewed him, right? Yeah, the rain hadn't come back. The rain had actually stopped, and so if the mm. rain had stayed away. It would have been brilliant, sure. except um, like most racing strategists, I'm sure they had access to a, I don't know, a Doppler radar, and they should have known that this was not about to end well. No. Like, we knew from hours out there was going to be a thunderstorm right on top of the track, right around the time limit. You know, we, we knew this from about an hour into the race. That it, this was this was only gonna get worse. This was not going to get better. And my man strategist with his full chest on live TV was like, I'll dry out, don't worry. <laughs> It'll Big dry McLaren out. in twenty fourteen at Hungary vibes. Oh in reverse. Oh wait, what do you mean like... the other color means rain? Shit. No. Yeah, um, it, was, it, yeah. it was just like my man. 
like, did you get spooked by the Rossi miscall from earlier in the race? Is that it? Like, did you get scared and thought, hey, the wet's so much slower, we thought, ah, we'll stick it out on slicks and try and burn out the clock. I'm just like, no! The thing is, the <laughs> wet's only slower when the track is dry, and the track was not dry. <laughs> right. Far it from was, it. And it was only getting wetter the longer they were sitting there under caution. Obviously not going full race in speed. And... Obviously, with the rain coming out, it was only going to get worse as time went on. Fun fact, the winning average speed of this race was 90 miles an hour. That's how slow this was, relatively speaking, um, with all the cautions that took part in it. <sighs> Team McLaughlin, have a word, honestly. <laughs> like That was shambolically bad. Pado Award hey. was a mess. <laughs> like, I was going to say, Pado, Pado needed oh. badly a, ch- a championship comeback day and instead he basically finished I, I think only ahead of McLaughlin as far as people on the lead lap yeah 19th it was an unmitigated disaster yeah 19th in the end had to pad to pit for, for wets right before they went green at the end of the race of about four minutes to go um, because he was a goose on slicks um, he was still there as, as they were about to go green and uh, yeah it was going to be a certain wreck if, if, if they had Stuck out without sucking out with slicks in those conditions. Um, also, kind of went under the radar because it happened dirty on as well. First real mistake in a Chip Ganassi for Alex Pillow. I was what about the- to bring that up. Yeah, Alex Pillow um, went wide, went off, yeah. spun, and then parked his car on the track to trigger a caution, which got him put down a lap. Naughty, yeah. very naughty. <laughs> big, big man! I lost control of my car and I racing. <laughs> Is your arm itching? Itching. <laughs> I, I had to scrap this. I just had to park it here while I, you know, put my gloves back on properly. You know, whoopsie. Um, <laughs> taking a sip out of his bottle of Shasta. <laughs> Gamesmanship from Polo of the worst kind. Naughty boy. Oh, uh, you, you can't do that. Um, yeah, put a lap down. Ended, and yeah, never really recovered from there. 18th on the day. Like, I think that's the worst day he's had in terms of a driver screw-up since joining Chip Ganassi last year. Um, turns out Polo is Fuban. Who'd have thunk it? Um, Terrifyingly, his- so is Scott Dixon, who, and I can't believe I am reading these words in the year of our Lord, 2022, Ran out of fuel. Huh? <laughs> I am not... This is not a drill. Scott Dixon ran out of fuel. King, it, it might be time to empty the life savings into Bitcoin. Because uh, the world is ending. This, this, is, this is the rapture. The fuel whisperer <laughs> ran out of fuel. So close. He was young. He ran short. out of fuel in, in pit lane. <laughs> Dixon, the undisputed king of, of fuel saving and just like sipping on his fuel tank, ran out 500 yards really from his from his pit box. Amazing! I've never seen that happen before in all the years I've been watching Scott Dixon. Maybe this is the beginning of the end. I know, like they said during this race, he's on the longest winless streak he's had in his career since 2005. Five. He's gone 18 rounds since his last win. Which uh, is suffering not... from success, are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
it, it's wild that an 18 race dry spell is the longest Dixon dry spell in literally 17 years. But here we are. Um, and of course, what happened a couple of days later? One, top of the practice sheets during Indy 500's first day of practice. <laughs> and second of all, in this race, still made the top 10 from 21st on the grid. Why? Because Scott Dixon. That's why. Death taxes Dixon. He is inevitable. Only three things in life are ever certain. <laughs> like that's that's how I had to look at it anyway. Because boy, like just just this was yeah, this, this, overall. This was, just was not a shining round of glory for for the majority of this field. I barely even mentioned so Jack Harvey causing two wrecks. I, I was about to get there. Um, yeah, Joseph Newgarden uh, bullied Will Power out a turn at, on the first lap, got bullied back and dropped a few positions, and then was the meat in a Rossi Harvey sandwich and came out of it with a retire. Well, might as well have been a retirement. He got back out to circulate, and I think he picked up like one or two positions. But yeah, disastrous day for Joseph. He picked up one because uh, Graham Rahal, who again I laugh at the karma of Graham Rahal talking about how he doesn't, how he doesn't, doesn't, doesn't like to be raced, and he completely plows into the back of Carl Kirkwood during this race and put him onto the oval track out, coming out of the infield. King, get you, King, go after your man's. I know Graham's I was a tall say, As a follow up to the last IndyCar episode, are we sure? That it's just one guy being aggressive because, man, the driving standards top to bottom this weekend were just clumsy. Poor. Clumsy. Um, and then... it, it was the, the classic Hamilton squeeze out onto runoff, or in this case, grass, was in full display here. Th th there was two or three of those. Like, I was, I was going to ask, like, has it become socially acceptable in IndyCar to run dude onto the grass now? Because Calamardo it... did it to Renus VK. We had Harvey sticking his nose in in a free wide, and then we had Harvey run Grosjean onto the grass later on in the race, which, oh, by the way, is hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> my first thought was, see how you like it now, Roman. Um, but uh, the driving standards here were so bad. Like, in some cases, it was, it was, it was just petty behavior. Like, iRacing sort of thinking. You would know. <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> you're an iRacing man. You, 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 you've seen this sort of shit before, yeah, right? Yeah, like, it, it felt like it felt like a lot of dudes out there felt like they had little time left. That they were that they were not only racing each other on track, but they were racing a ticking clock. Yeah, it's like, guys, guys, this race might end at any minute. <laughs> and... To be fair, it felt that way at certain times. Like, we had to get to lap 43 for this race to be called official with full points because Indiegoras doesn't have a half-point system like Formula One does. Sorry, I'm, just having, I'm having war flashbacks to Belgium last year. but uh, <laughs> Normal. We, we, had, we had to get the 50% distance before we could get a race result called, and it felt like the sport was doing everything it could to get to that magical marker because the rain was getting worse and worse over the course of the race. And, you know, there were there was multiple cautions left, right, and center. And as we found out later on places like Jack Harvey's Instagram, visible lightning during the race. Like, and they didn't call it. Uh, not ideal. Um, like, normally that would be everybody inside evacuate the place, no one goes near this thing for half an hour, 
Well, um, I think I think because the the strike was far enough out that yeah, it wasn't well, that, it, it's something very. I, I know Dre, you and I had talked about it uh, a couple of days ago. Mm. Racing is very inconsistent when it comes to calling something, uh, calling a race for a lightning strike. Sometimes the first sign of lightning, they'll just shut it down. The other yeah. times, um, I think it was Kiyalami two or three years ago. There was lightning bursting through the sky for a good three hours. Yeah, and they didn't call it. They yeah, they didn't I, even they didn't even caution it. Don't worry, guys. It's fine. You know what's, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> um, a terrifying thought, but yeah, like if you want to see it, fantastic shot though. If you, if you want to see it on Jack Harvey's Instagram page, go follow him on there. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful shot. It reminds me a lot of. King, you remember when Usain Bolt won the World Championships in Moscow and it was pissing down and the lightning <laughs> yeah. bolt was in the background? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. that, was, that was a that was a beauty. That was a beauty. Um, great photo, but uh, <clears throat> a bit close. Just, just a bit close. A bit nerve-wrackingly close. Also, want to give a shout-out to Tatiana Calderon. Let her first lap in IndyCar. We love to see it. <laughs> we love to see it. Great to see. Yeah, it was just the one, but eight accounts, an extra point, and top fifteen finish. There you go. Way to go, Taddy. Way to go. A lot of, it, was, it was a good well, day looked, for the rookies. Looked that. a hell of a lot better than King Kyle out there because uh, King Kyle was demoted to Squire Boy this weekend. <laughs> shit was bad. Shit was bad. Not entirely his fault, but shit was bad. Oh, just bad. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen them already. Go on IndyCar's YouTube channel. They've got the half an hour international highlight package. Well worth boiling some popcorn. And uh... better. Okay. For those of you about to watch the highlights, just be happy you didn't watch it live. Oh, God, yeah. Like, in half an hour form, perfect. Get rid of all that dead time with cautions. The actual race that had to hit the two hour time limit? No, you don't want that. You, you don't want that. That's a lot of dead air. Um, Speaking of which, now, this is an interesting story that came up a couple of days ago, and I saw people talking about this on Twitter, and I wanted to get it on here because I think this is interesting. Because we've talked about uh, our old friends at Formula One and Drive to Survive because it's a constant talking point on social media when it comes to F1, and it's expanded into other places as well. Now, there is talk that IndyCar is potentially filming something behind the scenes to something like that effect. Um, regarding its series um, and potentially some sort of similar DTS-style clone. Um, I find it intriguing because I always felt like IndyCar's always trying to get as many eyes on it as possible, especially on the internet and whatnot. Um, I, I want to ask King on particular first, because King, you know the internet score and you know the media score a bit better than I do across the pond, but... Do you think that style of show is going to help IndyCar's popularity in the US and maybe even beyond that? I mean, how do they think they're going to play it on this one? And what sort of impact do you think it might have? Because we've seen what it's done for F1, even if it's a bit more complicated than just saying, hey, Netflix show made people watch now. <sighs> uh, I think a lot of people, including IndyCar, are missing the bigger picture that F1 simply didn't just blow up overnight that we mm. went from you know literal hey they have a youtube channel to mm. <laughs> to them being more active on social media mm. to them finally doing drive to survive in an instance where 
most people at that point in time had Netflix. So when this started to trend, more people could get on board, watch it, and see what all the hype is about with Drive to Survive, and then move over to F1 itself. With IndyCar, uh, IndyCar, like, what if we just start at Drive to Survive and then uh, DC Cinematic Universe our way to uh, becoming (laughs) F1? Maybe not the best uh, model to go on there. Mm. Um, Yeah, I I think I I think I see this this point kind of in your notes, King, and I do agree on it. It's going to very much depend on what platform they put it on because. If you just see, imagine you're on Netflix at like 10 at night. You're drunk as hell and you just want something to watch. Sure. On your landing page, so you see Drive to Survive. That's, you know, that is an existing install base that people are going to, that there are people there to capture. So people there to then watch that product and then that interest of Formula One spreads to them. Yeah. IndyCar is going to have to be careful on where they actually, you know, put this thing. By all accounts, uh, it'll most likely be on a property owned by uh, Universal Television, a.k.a. NBC, a.k.a. Comcast, because Mm. uh, the other than, you know, them being the broadcast partner for IndyCar, the person they're working with, the producer they're working with, Jeff Jenkins, does a lot of the reality TV programming at, uh. at Universal. So he he was the person who created Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Total Divas and then Total, Total Bellas. So this is the kind of reality TV dude we're working with here. So what we're saying is that it's going on Peacock. Uh, yes. I think ideally for IndyCar, the best case scenario is that it would be on E, uh, the, the television network that shows, you know, keep, yeah. like, showed keeping up with the Kardashians while also being on Peacock the next day, um, which will definitely help IndyCar's uh, relevance in the United States. Outside of the U.S., don't know about that one. And again, uh, this is coming from the standpoint that solely just doing reality TV will work, which I don't think that, like, they're missing the bigger picture. You need to build up to this. You can't just do this from day one. You can't just this league this. Well, and that's, and that's a thing with that I think people fail to recognize with Formula One. Formula One effectively did not have a social media presence seven years ago. They have poured a lot of resources into not just Drive to Survive, but every aspect of their social media strategy because they did not have one. Yeah. But, but, you know, the way Bernie looked at it was, oh, well, people on Twitter don't have Rolex. They're not looking to buy Rolexes, to paraphrase his, his thoughts on it. So... Yeah, and, and like just looking through Jeff Jenkins' filmography, he's never done anything like this. Because, uh, yeah, pretty much the best thing he's known for is like, yeah, keeping up the Kardashians and all the related series around that. Uh, there's nothing sports related at all. 
doesn't seem well, conducive to a lot of growth. Who knows? Could shock us all. But uh, <laughs> I'm holding my breath. From a British perspective, it's fascinating because, like, Formula One has a very dedicated following in the UK. And, like, the show was so popular in the UK, it was trending top. Like, from, you like, as King alluded to, and I, I learned this myself from reading a, a post about it on Jalopnik from uh, Liz, from Liz Blackstock. Um, shout out to her. Um, again, just tremendous work over there. And happy birthday, Liz, if you're listening. Um, but uh, yeah, like this was part of a long-term strategy. But a lot of people just thought, well, show's really big now. We must have our own version because like, I know they ended up with the PGA Tour, like horse racing in the UK, which of course was relevant to me because I work in the bookies full time. Like they were like, "Yeah, we want our own version of this," and I'm like, "You don't, <laughs> you don't, you do not want your own version. Of this as bad as you think you do." Like, like who's going to go on Netflix to watch a, to watch horse racing shit? Yeah. Like, you know, so it, it's not for everyone, and I don't think I, I'd say needs one. there are a couple of boxes that each of these like. Any sports docuseries needs to tick. Number one, it needs to be an interesting subject, and international motor racing automatically ticks that box instantaneously. Yeah. Oh, Two, absolutely. You need to have interesting characters. F1 and IndyCar both tick that. Three, um, uh, how do I put this? You need to have a group of people who already care. Like they need mm. to be the word of mouth advertising for this. Yeah, I'm, honestly, I'm not sure IndyCar's collective audience is big enough for that. Graham Rahal will stand alone on social media <laughs> and try. <laughs> I, I I'm not sure IndyCar's got that got that big a following to get that ball moving down the hill to make that happen. Yeah. At least with Formula One, especially in the UK, where this was promoted heavily. Like more so than the US, right? Like F one has such an audience, it got the ball rolling. Like, because people have spoken to me about this at work. I'm like, because yeah, they know I'm an F one fan at work. I talk about it all the time at work, and I'm like, Dre, have you seen Draft Design? And I'm like, no. And I'm just they're like, what? Why wouldn't you haven't watched it? And I'm like, well, you know, I don't like the style of the show and the editing and all that. But a lot of people have asked me questions about the show or about the sport itself based off their experience from watching DTS, and a lot of that as was alluded to was the lightning in a bottle effect of everybody suddenly being at home during the pandemic season three of that show dropping. And then, and then, you know, right before the season started, and that was right around the first lockdown in the UK. I think it was the yeah. same week as a matter of fact, um, early March, straight after the Cheltenham festival it was the same week. DTS season three drops and everybody loses. It was season two, actually, sorry, it was season two. Still point remains. Everybody went nuts over that show in the downtime because they needed shit to watch. We were all at home. We were all looking for shit to do. And we all started binge watching Drive to Survive. And that's that was the snowball effect. When I got back to work three months later, everyone was asking me about it. I'm just like, well, that that worked. Like they got the lightning in a bottle that came with that show. Because I remember the first series, Mercs and Ferrari didn't want to do it. Yeah, they were not part of it. No. That was despite us having a legitimate title battle for two thirds of the season. Yeah, oh, and yeah. like, and, and you see that in most other, well, the big series. So I know Amazon signed a deal to do a Drive to Survive series for 
Cycling's World Tour and how yeah. the biggest team on the World Tour, Yumbo Visma, are not participating in the first year of it. Oh wow! Damn, even I, even I know Jumbo are. That's uh, <laughs> that, that's that's an eye that's an eyebrow raiser. But I, I think that, like, I hate to say it because obviously people want to be open-minded about things. But the way people consume a lot of these streaming series is that they use it to replace TV. They just have it on in the background. And, you know, moments come on and they get engaged. And for Drive to Survive, that was like Gunther Steiner just starting swearing everywhere. And people, you know, have to look up the screen like, what the hell's going on? (laughs) Yeah, man became a meme uh, overnight. Insert insert massively... uh massively overexposed crash sounds here because like thankfully indycar like indycar has characters like that while other other series unfortunately had not only that but they had other barriers so like moto gp uh understandably a large portion of the series is not in english and right if you're gonna watch MotoGP's docu-series, you have to watch it engage to read the subtitles and understand what's going on if you don't speak Spanish or Italian. Right, because the vast majority of the grid is from those two countries. Because about so, 90% of the grid are from there. Yeah, that's, and it really hurt viewership for the series to the point where Amazon's like, well, we're gonna like take a step back and reevaluate this. It, it didn't help that they botched their launch in the UK as well, where they didn't have an English language version when it first, the, the day it dropped. They, they, they did not have an English version for the first three days it released. That killed oh. any and all hype for it in the UK. And the UK does have a big biking audience, like probably the third biggest in Europe, I would say, behind Spain and Italy. And yeah. uh, they completely botched the UK launch. And a lot of people did not bother after that initial screw up. It just kind of, it was like pissing on the bonfire, so to speak. Because um, that's that's the one thing I think IndyCar is going to be on the front foot about with, you know, with Jeff Jenkins Productions, with them having a lot of experience. Like, I think close to, uh, well, Jeff Jenkins himself as a producer has two decades of experience. Jeff Jenkins Productions, it's more like five years of, ex- well, I think, four years of experience doing this on their own where Mm. they know how to produce TV like this. You don't have to worry about production quality or anything like that. They got that down them getting a narrative together. That's what I'm worried about. How are they going to make people care? Because IndyCar's got a great set of characters and very likable personalities. I'm not disputing that for a minute, but how do you get someone that isn't a fan of the series to care about someone like say, Scott McLaughlin or Graham Rahal or someone that maybe doesn't leap off the page personality wise, like a, you know, like, like a Felix Rosenquist, for example, or someone like that, you know, that's going to be the challenge for them. Like to us, the internal hardcores that love IndyCar and watch all their content and watch all the teams on social media for us, that's easy. We know these guys, we love them. Like, and the thing know. is that the way that sports docuseries work, the way that sports works in general for most people, that you have to relate to someone on a competitive basis. It can't be for some, like, no offense to IndyCar's current set of fans, you can't get invested in uh, an athlete based off of some random thing in their day-to-day life. It needs no. to be some struggle that they're having in competition. Yeah. 
So I can't wait for the Alex Pillow episode. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, got in, Damn, not I good. Too, I too relate to stopping in the middle of the road to get a competitive <laughs> advantage on the way to work. I I wish them the very best of luck. I would love more eyes on this series. I would love more eyes on IndyCar in general. It deserves the attention. There's some great people in that series that you know could absolutely do with a rub. Whether it works or not, I'm not convinced, but we'll have to wait and see. It's in the right hands. I mean, given Jenkins' resume, that's some iconic reality TV shows we're talking about here that did transcend their platform to a degree, but I'm not... The moment this is going to get on, the moment we see a trailer for this, this is going to go, this is an F1 DTS ripoff. <laughs> uh, I, I think I think they could do something distinctive enough to set itself apart from Drive to Survive. Can you say so. that? And then the first thing we're going to see is a crash that we remember seeing with completely different, much louder audio played over it. Like, honestly, like, I hate to give it to this guy because personally, I don't like reality TV that much, but like the, the setup, like all of the cliches of reality TV from, uh, pre-scripted moments to cutaways to talking heads on a chair giving reactions. Those are all things that he came up with. Oof. Yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. That if mm. if he wants to set, set an archetype for what a sports docuseries is, he's the one guy who could probably set that new archetype up. Right. I hope so. Because, yeah, I mean, it, it, it probably would help. Uh, you know, I, I hope so. Anyway, because I, I, I want this series to do well. I want more people to watch it. It deserves the attention. But uh, I'm not sure this is going to be the best way to do it. And I think a lot of people are a little bit misguided as to how Drive to Survive became the runaway hit that it was. To a degree, they couldn't have got better timing on it. And I think that was a huge reason it took off. And I, I don't think a lot of people have acknowledged that part. But uh, oh, bless me, my well, had a bit of a uh, sneeze there. But uh, like, yeah. <laughs> Like, I, I think it's going to be seen less in the vein of uh, Drive to Survive, more in the vein of the WWE's reality program when they got their first reality programming and how, uh, say, you know, you know, Michael, like Mike the Miz Mizan and, and like how Miz and Maurice became, you know, like people know of the show and the show's fairly popular, but it's not really, it's not really gonna, dis- like, it's not gonna be Drive to Survive. No. I really don't think it's gonna be that. That lightning in a bottle, I think, is something you can only get once, especially in the way the market is right now, and it's becoming quite oversaturated with that style of show, the way it's going. And in the next couple of years, we're gonna see a lot of clones and imitators roll out, and that's gonna be a... Uh, Interesting to see how the how the lay of the land develops on that front. But uh, good luck to them. Good luck to them. I hope it works out. I'm right. It's in the right hands at least. I hope that's, that's a positive sign. Right, let's get out of here. We got two more of these to do. We got MotoGP from France coming up next. That's going to be a fun one from Le Mans because there was a lot that came out of that weekend on and off the track. But uh, IndyCar will be back. Uh, well, it's the big one. Coming up soon on Day of Classics Day, May 29th, I should say, the Indy 500. We'll talk a little bit more about that on our YouTube channel and on the podcast 
in the coming days. You'll see what I mean on social media. You might want to follow us on a certain few places here and there. Which, by the way, if you didn't know already, that's youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Facebook at the same slash. Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. Our handles at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at CMuffy917, at RJ O'Connor as well when he's on the show. To website motorsport101.com. Patreon, same slash again. Patreon.com if you want to back us financially on there. IndyCar qualifying for the 500 this weekend. That's going to be fascinating. Oh, if it stops raining. If it stops raining, that, uh, we, we the day two of practice got rained out today, which was not fun. Uh, if you want highlights, check out Dalton Kellett's Twitter page. Just trust me on this one; you'll love them. Um, it, it, it's not a good sign that the video was 14 seconds long. Just, just a hint. Oh no! See you soon for that one. But in the in the meantime, I've been Dre Harrison, Dave and Ryan, Eric King, and, and Cam Buckley. Until next time, sayonara. Bye. So is it going to stop raining long enough for actually us to actually get an Indy 500? Well, that, if that thunderstorm was anything to go by, we might be in some trouble. <laughs>